Hi, and welcome to the Life with Jamie and More podcast. I'm doing this podcast as a father about raising my son who has Down syndrome and is on the autistic spectrum. This has real life challenges for me as his dad. And while I want to share my story, I really want to offer a place and give space to other dads to do the same. So let's get into one right now. Oh, by the way, this podcast comes with a language warning. It's real. It's life. It's how it is. So not for kids' ears. This week on Life with Jamie and More, I had a fantastic conversation with Gary. Gary is a man who interviewed me a couple of weeks back. Uh, I was so lucky and so fortunate and very privileged to be on the podcast, uh, which was two peas in a podcast, which some of you might remember that I uh, talk about in previous episodes. Really influential to how I am today. Started really the whole process of me being able to work through uh, some of the trauma and understand that I actually had trauma actually and um, and uh, grief and other things along with it. So Gary uh, came onto my podcast here and we had a really, really good talk and really open talk as well. And I thank Gary for being so honest and open about his journey, his challenges as Christopher's dad. Uh, Christopher is his son. Um, and you'll hear Gary talk about the love he has for his son, the immense love he has for his son. And I think it's just so awesome. Gary, good afternoon, Gary. Hello, Steve. How are you doing today? Uh Good, thanks. A bit weary, to be honest. It's been a very wearying uh, few days for various reasons, but I'm I'm feeling okay, and I'm really delighted to join you. Thank you for the invitation. That's all right. I'm I'm so honoured to have you on on the podcast here. Um, it's uh, from <clears throat> a while back when I was listening to uh, one of the first episodes you did. Uh, with um, two peas in a podcast with Kate and Mandy, mm. um, like I, yeah, I I really felt that there was you know so much to talk about, um, and uh, that you know you you know you could give a very good insight as to you know what you've kind of experienced and. Um, other dads out there to be able to, you know, maybe kind of relate to some of those and you know, perhaps pull some of them out of their, of their, um, their lives, the challenges that they have with raising a child with disabilities or special needs or other needs. Um, so Gary, I, I, the, the first question I've, I've got for you is, can you tell us about Christopher? Yes, with pleasure. Christopher is now 26. He was my firstborn. And uh, after a event-free pregnancy, um, everything went 
downhill fast in the uh, birthing suite. Um, he was uh, on his due date. He was ready to come out at exactly the right time. And then something went wrong and nobody has been fully able to explain what. Um, but to exacerbate that, there was a very poor response from the nursing and well, from the medical staff in general, who faffed about for hours um, when really they should have been acting quickly. Mm -hmm. But the upshot of it was that uh, after 17 crucial minutes um, of oxygen starvation in the womb, uh, he had to be born by emergency cesarean. Um, and by this stage, you know, the the tension in the in the birthing suite was palpable mm -hmm. from everyone concerned and he was born with an apgar i don't know i mean in australia is that an international term apgar the, the score for his well-being right actually I, there was a term used actually i've heard it but i actually don't know what that is so maybe you can mm. highlight um, for me it's well. it's a i think it's a five point um scoring system whereby immediately upon birth the midwife or whoever's attending will score the uh, the newborn, uh, depending upon you know color, breathing, uh, uh, movement, all those sorts of indicators, just to see whether there is anything obvious that's uh, not not right. And uh, Christopher's score was zero. They couldn't find wow. anything going on with him. He was uh, he had no life signs at all. Um, so he had to be rushed. He had to be resuscitated and rushed off to the special care nursery uh, with what they said was a very big headache. Um, mm and uh, the poor little guy had actually a brain injury from that lack of oxygen which resulted in his cerebral palsy mm. so i mean cerebral palsy as you're probably well aware is an umbrella term uh, it ranges from up one end of high tone or spasticity right down to the other end of low tone or fluctuating mm. tone and that's athetosis and that's what he has so he has fluctuating tone in all limbs he's quadriplegic he has no useful uh, use of his hands or mm. he can't stand or walk never has been able to um, fluctuating tone which means muscles are constantly contracting and releasing and uh, particularly when he's stressed which in that case has resulted in it making it very difficult for him to speak mm. so you know well, you're well aware that we we control our speech with our, our our breath and with our tongue and our you know our lips and our muscle movements in our face mm. and it's a very intricate process speech and uh, because he knows what he wants to say but his muscles are not really cooperating with his brain uh speech is difficult for him mm. and that has been a, a a major and still is a major barrier for him um but the other side of it was with athetosis uh there was no intellectual impairment at all christopher is a very smart and um very aware and alert man and he has always been and uh, so that's him he's happy he's funny he's incredibly um I, I i guess the word brave comes to mind resilient i don't know he just seems to be willing to have a go at anything he seems to um refuse to accept that cerebral palsy is a disability mm. <laughs> and uh, you know <laughs> he but he's he's a gentle kind soul you know he's equally i've been introduced to people over the years as his carer you know and um i'm always quick to say to them yes but he cares for me too um, <laughs> he does he's always been concerned about me to this very day um, and he's thoughtful and uh, a beautiful human being. And um, 
he's currently he's 20 as i say he's 26 so um we could talk about where he is now but that's basically his story so he's those have been the needs he's had ever since birth and to top it all off of course when he was five this is nothing to do with the cp but it did it did impact on everything else was his pancreas broke for some reason um his immune system attacked it and so he's had type 1 diabetes since then which has meant you know, needles, uh, insulin replacement every single day or every single meal. It's meant finger pricks to get blood glucose levels. So, and that has been a major um, stress for everyone because he can't self-medicate or, or mm. self-test, obviously. Right. So everyone That's who's true. around yeah, him I didn't, has I didn't think of that until you just said that, actually. I, I, yeah. Yeah. Well, honestly, you know, the CP is one thing, but to be able to get away even for an hour from him, you know, to take a break, um, there had to be somebody who was there who was a willing and be trained Mm -hmm. to stick a needle in his finger to do a blood sugar test and then know how to respond. So that's, that's been a constant. And, um, uh, that, that still is, he's, he's got that well under control and he controls that, you know, he's, he knows what he needs to do and he tells his support workers what to do, but that has been a factor. So Mm -hmm. that's my boy, Christopher. What a what a what an amazing story and journey and thing, you know, and it's still the journey is still going on. And yeah. it's I kind of like wanna talk about uh your kind of how you as his dad have made it through in mm. one piece, Gary, because I think um, this is something which, as I think you know, a lot of dads um, don't get to the point where you are and kind of, I suppose, where I am, I could say. Um, I've been able to kind of look back and reflect, analyze, self-analyze, and still keep to keeping that uh, analysis going. Like a lot of dads um, can't do that. Or don't know how to do that. I I want to ask how you thinking back to like when when did acceptance of of this kick in for you? Like when was was there a point? Can you can you think of a point when it actually well, okay, this is this is it, this is what I've got to do, this is how I gotta do it. That's a very good question. I think the reality of it sank in very quickly, but the acceptance is another matter, isn't it? And you did yeah. say acceptance. Um, yeah. Look, um, it, 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 look, there are probably two levels to it. One was very gradual and behind the scenes and it was going on. I mean, every single day you get up and you accept what's ahead of you that day and his care, his needs were the pretty much the top of the list every day and so you mm-hmm. do that and that's a kind of acceptance i mean it's better than just pissing off which which unfortunately yeah. many dads have done and do mm-hmm. um so i guess sticking around is acceptance that there's a certain level of that yes but i do remember uh when i he was um he must have been 14 and uh 14 ish and i was homeschooling him because uh we we made that decision when he was about five the schools weren't really going to give him a fair go not Mm. through anybody's fault but there was very little technology there Mm. was very little awareness of what 
best to do for him and he wouldn't have got a fair go. So mm. uh, I homeschooled, or I should say home tutored him. We had him enrolled in a school of distance education. I wasn't his teacher. I was his tutor, right. but I went through with, with his work every day, all the way through till he was 18 or 17. But I, I, I was sitting next to him one day and um, he was about 14. I knew how smart he was. I knew <laughs> what he was capable of intellectually. Um, but I couldn't picture a future for him, Steve. I could not, mm. I just could. And it just hit me really, mm. really quite hard one day that I could not imagine that he was ever going to be able to realize his full potential or be happy or enjoy a fulfilling life because of the physical limitations. Mm. And so I did hit a wall at that point. And mm. I think the, um, whether this was acceptance or not is a good question. It, it, it was my attempt at acceptance anyway. So I used to was keep a journal. A, maybe it was the start. Maybe you would say it could have been the start of it, right? Because it, it initiated it, some kind of thought it process. Did. It, it was it. part of the process. There's no doubt. Um, I had reached a point where I needed to, to either crash or crash through. There was something mm. at that moment that, that I had to pull out of myself because I it was no longer enough what I was doing um, because I could, if I couldn't see any point to this in terms of his future, uh, mm -hmm. I just, I just, I was, I was exhausted. I was already tired. And the only mm -hmm. thing that kept me going as you and I know as dads is, you know, the, the hope for our kids future. And if I didn't have that, I didn't know what I would have. So I knew it was a bit of a crisis and I used to keep a journal. I used to write in my diary every day. Mm -hmm. I did that for many years. Do you, do, you, do you think that actually doing that journal, writing things down, do you think that ultimately has helped you? Because it yeah, kind of put it, me, like get, getting it out, getting it on paper. If I don't know who, who, whether you talked to people at the time, but like um, writing things down and actually reading back on it. I don't know if you read back on it or not, but like, do you, it's a. I rarely read back on it because it's so boring to read, but I. <laughs> Um, I don't think the benefit for me was in being able to go back and read it. Although I have done it, I guess I could, should, so I shouldn't quite say that, but yes, it, there was a benefit, no doubt. I, I felt like, um, I had to speak about this to someone and I couldn't really, um, I you, didn't you have felt anyone. you didn't have anyone that no, was, there was nobody. You, you can't, there's no, it's look, honestly, many times men just don't want to speak up and I accept that. And that's probably partly their own decision. But on the mm. other hand, when you have a child, especially when you're intimately engaged in the raising of a child with disabilities, it's, it is harder to find someone to actually talk to who uh, knows what you're talking about or mm. who gets it. And that's, I, I do envy, this is a generalization, but women do seem to be better at finding their tribe and finding others mm. and uh talking these things out and having a laugh and a cry than <laughs> men do. do and i uh i look there's so there are so few men who were doing what i was doing so few dads mm. that they were hard yeah. to come by anyway and um so i no i didn't talk to anyone and therefore and i didn't speak to my wife much about it um mm. she kept she a lot of it yes mm. she i mean you get to a point where you feel like I mean, she knew what was happening, um, but um, I don't feel like I could tell her really what my problem was 
And um, so that wasn't a good thing. But anyway, I was journaling about this and I did come to the point of deciding, yes, I will be Christopher's support worker, his carer, his primary carer for the rest of my days, if necessary. Because mm. I thought that's what would happen, that I would mm. I would be caring for him till I was disabled by old age, which is what has happened to many parents yeah. in the past and still does in many parts of the world because there's no alternative. Yeah. And I made a decision that I would do that. So I guess in a sense, going back way back to your question, um, <laughs> that was a sort of acceptance that mm. this was my lot in life and this would be what I would do until I dropped yeah, it's so a, it's about it's a, that's a really that's it's a big it's a big kind of thing to digest i think isn't it because it i yeah i i i suppose the way i the reason i'm saying that is because i i haven't looked that far ahead i haven't been able to I, I, either I don't, I don't know if I want to look that far ahead or I am just so I'm, I'm focused on to right now because what I can mm. do right now is I can be mm. as to who I can be right now. And if I can get through what I'm getting, going, getting through right now and try and try and be the dad that, you know, I'd like to be that will then path away that, you know, will find its way in the future but mm. I, I i do think you know um so many dads and i, I know dads who are um the future is just filled with a huge amount of unknowns a huge amount of uncertainty mm. these and i find myself when i do think about the future i just i i, I become very anxious I become anxious. Yeah. I, I'm not going to lie about it. I feel I can feel myself now um, yeah, getting yeah. a little bit kind of tensed about it because it's like um, I can't I can't control that. What I what I can do is try and put into place kind of now things now that will um, have you know get better results or good um, you know res- help Jamie in the in the long term. But it's it's a it's it's very hard. It's a very hard thing to. It is, but it's very wise, and I I think you're probably you know better than I was at the time in doing that because I I perhaps was focused too much on what was going to become of him or what wasn't, rather than simply uh, being in the moment, and that was probably something that would have been better if, had I done that. Yeah. Did you ever? Did you ever kind of? blame yourself for like how it's all played out did you ever think yeah oh yeah i mean um i i blamed myself uh for not speaking up in the birthing suite i could see what was going on i could see there was and you know you when you're a dad in the birthing suite you're not really <laughs> consulted about much you're supposed no. to be there to hold her hand and that's it and that's good but you know so uh, to speak up really wasn't something expected and i'm not very good at that and i trusted the medical professionals but had i you know jumped up and down and said listen you people um you better get your act together i can see there's trouble here i may be wrong but you better move if there's a problem mm-hmm. 
I don't know whether that would have made any difference because the doctor on duty that day never showed up once and we don't know whatever happened to him. But mm. um, I did for many years regret not uh, making uh, a bloody nuisance of myself mm. to see whether that made any difference. Um, however, also along the way, you know, uh, when you're that close, like Christopher and I have been very close mm. all of it, all of his life and we still are. Mm. And when you're in each other's day so intensely uh, as we have been, mm. uh, and much of it was huge fun, you know, <laughs> um, but it was very close. And so you're constantly aware of every time you um, could have done something better and you you think of that. You also think of, you know, what's, what's going on here. He, he does do you um do you develop feelings of resentment or do you feel you know do you if i'm struggling with something does that transmit itself without me saying it to him mm -hmm. and you know impact on him and i guess yeah i guess so um he and i have never really dealt with that or talked about that but mm -hmm. so yeah there's, there's there are a lot of times absolutely when you you know you feel like you're a shit parent and you feel like you're you know <laughs> Why, why, why am I like doing this? Somebody should be, yeah. eh? I was going to say, the feeling that you're not enough, basically. You're not absolutely enough. Absolutely as... not enough. Mm -hmm. Absolutely never enough. And mm -hmm. what do you do about that? Well, it's true for all of us. So I suppose there's a point there where there's acceptance to that you're doing the best you can. And even if you're making some fundamental mistakes, then what else, what's the alternative? So Yes, indeed. There's a question of whether or not it's blame or whether or not it's just a, a self-awareness of your own failings. Um, that's quite a healthy thing, I suppose. So mm -hmm. um, there were both of those things, but yeah. 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 It's uh, um, the, like you, you sort of phrase there, like, you know, could have done better. Um, you know, we kind of often feel that we could have done better. Mm. Um, and that's that's a kind of a lot of the, that, that kind of and there are times in my days and where I, you know how i react to situations you know i i you know hindsight i kind of look back at oh, that yeah i could have done better with that could have mm. could have just been better um could have reacted better could have been better better to myself mm. um which would have actually got a better reaction um from from Jamie or even mm. um, other people around me even. Um, mm. So. Um, but I mean, that, that is generally being a parent too. It is. It? I mean, absolutely every it parent yeah. who's got any sense of self-awareness and a conscience is going to have that struggle all the time. It's just that there are moments where it becomes really quite intense and it's nobody's fault. And then you can't control it when there's a disability involved. It just kind of sharpens the point on things, mm -hmm. doesn't it? And yeah, that's that's the difference i guess yeah mm. yeah that's for real that's for sure um what what has like what has been a pivotal point in your journey so far with christopher um well that one that i mentioned where i made mm. the decision that yes this is what i will do till the day i drop that was a pivotal mm. moment for me um another one was this I can think of three, actually. Another one was, uh, he was, I suppose, 15. It was not long after that moment, actually. Um, there was a, uh, I was invited into a, an internet group, a closed Facebook 
Facebook group, a private group of parents of children with cerebral palsy. And suddenly I was talking to people who did get it and mm. uh, they were all mums. I was the only dad there, mm. about a hundred mums or something. But that was a critical change for me because I suddenly was able to say things to someone else and they understood and they were incredibly <laughs> kind and nurturing mm. and funny and lovely and real people and and mandy was is one of those who was yeah. in that group that's how i met mandy that was a pivotal moment for me finding a place where i could say some things not everything but a lot of things mm -hmm. and also to reflect on myself as a dad because it was interesting um every conversation with mums um um is one side of a story and then i would sort of it would sort of like a mirror i could look at myself in the mirror and see things about myself as a dad so mm. that was pivotal and the third there was a third one um when uh, 2013 so how old was christopher in 2013 goodness i can't remember but anyway <laughs> in 2013 ios 8 came out the apple's operating system number eight came out and with that came switch control now apple have always i'll shout apple's name anytime i get a chance i don't get paid to do this and some people don't like Apple. Well, that's fine. I that's think fine. Yeah, have, exactly. Absolutely. I'm, 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 a, I'm a fan. Of the, of yeah, well, the, people, like, look, people should have a choice. I think it's great. Yeah. But anyone who has uh, any issue of disability in their life or family um, really needs to know that Apple have led the way on accessibility in their devices and they are streets ahead of everyone else. Way back yeah. to voice control when voice, um, voice control when uh, they made it possible to control a Mac you know, for blind people using right, their, right. again, the, the, the computer would talk to you instead of requiring you to see it. But ever right. since then, every single year they've developed it. And then they brought out switch control in 2013 on iOS. And suddenly a world opened up for Christopher that mm -hmm. I had absolutely, I had not seen coming. Mm -hmm. And it has continued to open up further and further every year since. So that's what's that uh, nearly 10 years ago now. Yeah. Um, and what it meant was this quadriplegic boy, teenager, who was smart enough and who loved his tech and loved his devices could now do on a phone whatever you or I could do with our hands. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Isn't that incredible to think about? And yeah. nowadays it's even more so. He doesn't even need to, to use a switch. He can use his face yeah. um, and his and his uh, eye movements and so on. Now, that was a pivotal moment. And that has led to every amazing thing since, including flying drones and becoming a video editor and running a business and working for Apple. And all kinds of things have been made possible because of switch control. So the yeah. technology there really did utterly revolutionize our lives. Yeah. I I was actually before we started um this I was actually just on YouTube and just actually looking again because I previously looked at some of the uh, YouTube videos that Christopher put up there and, oh yes <laughs> and I just saw a video of you um acting in one of his uh, movies there uh, yes. uh and uh, I think it was about 5 years ago I think it was um but was that the joker that was the joker yeah that was the yes, joker yeah yes yes um and um you got some good acting skills there uh, Gary. i like it <laughs> he he used to rope, rope me into all kinds of <laughs> wearing silly costumes and doing dopey things and it was a lot of it was a hoot uh, it's a lot Fantastic. of fun and i think like like what it was is you like what i can see is that you uh as a dad is you would just 
so like so into it so into it so so human like in a way you were just like this is what i'm this is what i'm gonna do this is like it's i'm gonna be human to myself which means i'm gonna be human to christopher and and i'm gonna help him immensely with what he's doing here and the you know shyness or embarrassment all that kind of stuff you know becomes takes a bit of a takes the back seat in a way you know um and i think and i'm interested to hear your point of view on this because i think that we've spoken about this previously um when uh, when i was interviewed um about how men we have this uh kind of we feel that we can't be ourselves we can't be human to ourselves with um and then how we react and how we want to be how we feel that we should be or i don't know um but it's a lot of it is down to the toxic um i believe kind of the toxic masculinity that we have masculinity Mm. is fine that's not an issue Mm. it's the toxic side of it and i and i think like trying to um it, it it's it, to me it kind of seems like you in a way um i don't know tapped tapped into that it seems like you're kind of, i don't know am i am i right or wrong about that you're kind of very comfortable with who you are gary as a as a dad uh, well it's good of you to say and i i i like hearing you say it um i don't know i mean i think that the it's it's weird being a man isn't it and um (laughs) honestly because we're just weird creatures we uh what's how should i say like i felt i've always felt very comfortable um with female company Mm. i haven't always felt comfortable in male company why that is potentially, I suppose, is because um, I'm not interested in proving anything or mm-hmm. competing or being, you know, <laughs> in any of those contests that men seem to be in all the time with each yeah. other. Um, so why I don't know, but yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they're the the nurturing side in men and the vulnerable side in men. I don't know. I don't know if I want to call it the feminine side, but it, you probably know what I mean when I say that. Mm-hmm. What is what is labelled as feminine, you know, nurturing, vulnerability, um, those kinds of things get yeah. squashed out of you often as a man early mm-hmm. on, don't they? And yeah. um, are not honoured. They're not valued. If anything, they're to be run away from because they're the cause of ridicule or yeah. something from some other bloke who's got all kinds of insecurity issues and he takes them out on you. Mm -hmm. Um, So that happens. And I suspect for all kinds of reasons that happens. And when, when the time comes that you're faced with being the dad of a child with disabilities or all kinds of multiple needs, that's the moment where um, it puts pressure up against that. And you can either find that liberating or, it's just too much to cope with. And that's, mm. I suspect that's why a lot of dads just piss off. I, I think, I don't know, I shouldn't speak for what other dads do. Um, but it, the fact of the matter is a lot of them do just check out 
and it's possibly partly because it, there's some kind of an assault on their <laughs> them as a man in in having to deal with this and they just don't they just can't or don't i don't know what i'm saying here steve um, no no i, I it, it's funny because i think like what you're what you're doing is actually really interesting and i think it's kind of what what i feel is guys that you need to do a bit more um especially dads dads with um just dads and men in general really um but i you know it, it it's a it's very much i see um i see um like fathers in, living in japan here has um given it allows me to see a real insight into uh society japanese society of course i've been here for now almost 15 years now over 15 years and um and i've now been obviously now i've got children so i'm able to kind of see how parents kind of operate and um um uh, and i see um it's unfortunate i see a lot of i, I don't say i don't see a lot of dads um interacting with their children on a kind of when they're like i don't know what they're like in the house i can't see that all i can see is kind of outside the house and in the park mm. and mm. when they come to my school um and i just don't see a lot and um and that's a that's a cultural thing but um i in a western country i, I i've kind of been i've kind of missed out on that i don't know what it's like in australia i'll be honest gary i don't know how how involved dads really are because i don't see it on a daily basis i can only you know through just hearing how people are and how they are but um and again like you say kind of adding that layer of having a child who is you know needing extra help extra care mm. Mm. um throws another element of unknowns into the situation that is already potentially and possibly a stressful situation of just being a parent becoming a parent anyway right mm. um and um i don't know where i'm going with that actually gary so let's get back on track <laughs> it, it is curious why nine in australia anyway nine percent of the parents who are the primary carers of a child with disability are men mm. i don't i mean that's a simple fact and the question of why could could take us for, for forever but mm. um the fact of the matter is even though 50 percent of the parents uh, almost 50 percent are men mm. uh, nine percent of them would take on that role now um or nine percent of those who have taken on that role are dads mm. now look uh, uh, to be fair in many cases it's because they have no choice and the dad may want to do that desperately but because mm. his job pays better and he's got a better secure position than his his professional wife has and one of them has to stop doing it they choose together that she stops and then he continues to work and be the supporter and she becomes the primary carer almost by default that's uh, you know com com completely commendable and understandable it's not as mm. if that dad is checking out and being no. pathetic it's so in many cases that's still the reality isn't it that the yeah. workplace is set up favoring men so that's got something to do with it but additionally i think it it is without question something to do with it is the fact that um dads um come into this <laughs> into this deal 
from a different place and mm. uh, have different things to offer. And for many of them, they're just not able or willing to even consider that. Like, mm. I, I don't know why I, I mean, part, uh, partly I was ready to stop work. I was ready to do it when, when Christopher's mum said to me when he was seven, that she just couldn't do it anymore. And she was exhausted. She had really mm. worn herself out. And we have a, we had, a, we had a, a daughter as well and she'd brought her into the world and there was all kinds of stresses on her. And she just said to me one day, I can't do it anymore. Mm. And without even, I, I, I do wonder why this was, I look back on it. I was very hands-on already. I was very involved, but I would go out to work and come home. I just said, well, let's just swap roles. Let's just let me take over for mm. a while and you do something else, which she did. Now, unfortunately I was not as honest and, wise as she was when the time came that I couldn't do it anymore mm. to not say to her, I can't do this anymore. You better mm. take over. Cause I, and I never did say that. Um, why not? not why, why didn't you say that? <laughs> um, mainly I think because I knew she didn't, she wouldn't do it. Uh, she could, she couldn't do it. Um, mm. and that may be unfair on her. If she was listening, I'd be interested to hear what she says about that, but she never once offered to take over and she mm. knew the trouble I was in. And I was waiting for the day when she said, listen, all right, you've come to the end. You, you gave me a break. I'll give you a break. Um, that never happened. And mm. I, I am equally uh, responsible for that conversation that was never had because I never raised it. I never said it. I should, mm. I could have, but I yeah. didn't. So that was my choice. Um, How did you move on from that guy? Because I think that's a crucial point because a lot of that's where a lot of guys will hit that wall. They will hit mm. the wall and they will just either end up in hospital, which is what happened to me. I ended up in hospital yeah. with yeah. Um, just burning myself out through yeah. uh, launching myself into work for um, probably around, I worked around probably, you know, so five or six years, I really, really threw myself into work. And I think, so I, I wonder like, yeah, what, what do you think? Like, well, it, it was around the same time that I had hit the wall and I did have to, so I basically said to myself without, I probably said this unconsciously to myself, you've got to figure something out here. You're not, there's no way, there's no way out. You're not getting a bailout here. So you better figure, figure out. And that's where I'm, when I made that decision, all right, yes, I will do this for the rest of my days, whatever, mm -hmm. um, which is not as grim as it sounds. I mean, it, it was pretty serious, but I, I, I wasn't, but what, what I'm sorry to hear it put you in hospital. It it didn't put me in hospital, but it did put me in front of a counsellor, and that was a yeah. big help. Uh, I needed that at the time, um, and that did help because uh, she was this counsellor was able to help me see yeah. what was going on. And um, I found within... it hard doing that actually. Gary, I'm going to just jump yeah. in there because I found that kind of hard for me to. This is back now in 2019. In 2019, now, um, I found that hard. Everyone was what, going what, to a council. Going to a council, I found that actually, the the concept of talking to someone who I didn't know, mm. I found that extremely um, nerve wracking. I felt that I wasn't going to 
It was mm. not going to help me. It was not going to change anything. It was not going to, there was, I felt there was like, and I, so I would just, you know, keep putting it off and off and off. And I, so I haven't really kind of spoken a lot about this. And um, so I, and I, and I, I, I will uh, down the line as well, but you, for you, you obviously maybe had a different feeling. You were like, okay, I'm going to, I don't know if it was easy or not, but how, how did you? No, oh, it was desperation, Steve. I, I wouldn't go to a counselor unless I had to mm. either, <laughs> but honestly, I had to, mm. I, I was shot and, um, so, and as soon as I felt like I wasn't getting anything more out of it, I stopped. I don't like going mm. to counselors mm. any more than anyone, but yeah. There was no question that um, it's not like having teeth pulled. It wasn't quite that unpleasant, but mm. you have to really believe that what you're doing and paying for mm. is going to be worth it. <laughs> Otherwise, why yeah. would you? Uh, but it was quite actually quite liberating. The first, mm. you know, a few months of doing that, I was suddenly seeing myself from a perspective that I hadn't seen before. And that was helpful. And uh, it also was very, um, affirming and encouraging to hear her perspectives um she basically like i, I thought i was struggling with depression mm. um but neither she nor my gp ever used the word depression they mm. um, they both talked about exhaustion and uh mm. running out of juice um and therefore the problem was not uh, one of depression it was one of uh um needing to find ways to uh to replace the water that had all gone from the well and i was still drawing from and so so it really was helpful yeah mm -hmm. oh that's really good to hear and i think that 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 is something that we don't not enough guys talk about it and mm. even kind of really recently um i probably before before i started doing the podcast is i would um not really I would I would kind of not hide the fact but I wouldn't really talk about myself that I was actually seeing a, a counselor or a therapist or mm. is because I felt that that was just yeah making me seem like I didn't have my shit together and I still don't have mm. my shit together but also it was making me I felt I felt like it was making me less of a man less of mm. a dad um and and I I'm 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 sure that there are listeners out there, guys out there who um, who can't be different from, you know, not a million miles away from how I was. Um, and I think that that's why I'm, why I'm doing this. And this is why, you know, we're, we're also having this conversation today is because hearing about hearing stories of guys saying yeah yeah it it is it is hard but it's not like there is there are ways for us to get through it and we're mm. not fucking alone in this mm. and i think that's huge that's that's massive for me that's massive like we are, yeah. we are not alone yeah so you know. and you know the thing about 
letting someone know you're talking to a counselor that is real you know that that mm. and you don't have to tell anyone if you're feeling embarrassed about that well don't tell mm. anyone just just yeah. do it if it's useful because it does sound like okay um there's something really you know weak or wrong with you i don't have that problem i don't see a counselor you know you're wondering whether people are thinking that yeah people might be thinking oh god i wish i could see a counselor but i can't you know i well, can't um i can't afford it or it's just i like, can't not afford a, it or i i don't know what would happen I, I, yeah. and i admire the hell out of you for doing it you know there, there's all of that going on i don't know why it seems like like women don't seem to have the, the slightest hesitation in seeking out counsel and help and mm -hmm. advice uh it doesn't somehow impinge on their sense of their their worth you know yeah. whereas for men it automatically suddenly raises questions well what's wrong with you you know what, what how yeah. come you're you need a counselor none, yeah. none of these other blokes need counselors what's wrong exactly. with you which is crazy talk really honestly yeah, it's ridiculous it's stupid <laughs> it's like okay so what you don't have your shit together well hello like um, yeah, come so on. you do like <laughs> that's right <laughs> <laughs> well okay well <laughs> yeah it, there is it, something about being a man that require that seems to we seem to need to be able to um, justify ourselves uh, in ways that women don't seem to need or mums don't seem to need. We seem to need to prove things. I mean, it's, I think all of us like to prove things, but we need to. And there's something within us that that is mm -hmm. a need. And if we can't prove what we thought we could prove then that's a crisis you know and it becomes a catastrophe and at least yeah. it will and then we don't know how to deal with it and we're not set up to deal with it so it can escalate and that's yeah. often what happens yeah that's right and it, it can yeah it can turn into various forms and i mean mm. yeah it is just never doesn't end well it just doesn't end well you know um I I remember actually, and we'll move on from this in just a second, but I remember my first counseling session. I, um, I, my parents were, my parents back in New Zealand were, were on my back. My, my sister was on my back about it. Like they were just hounding me about it and I just didn't want to do it. And I yeah. finally found one and I found a counselor because it was, um, in, it was online, of course. Um, and he was actually, I think it was actually in Australia, actually. Um, and I, my my first ever session, and I sat down and I I I started talking and um, told him about you know I just gave him a background as to Jamie and um, how what he'd been through and and I and I just broke down, I just broke down and I was like I didn't I didn't know mm. why I had broken down I didn't why why I was just crying and sobbing away and I was just like I don't. And I went for, had about an, an hour's uh, session and then I, I finished and I, I just felt, I felt really exhausted. I felt emotionally and physically really tired. Mm. Um, and a cup for a couple of days after I felt, I, I, I felt really physically tired and exhausted, um, from getting all this out, from talking it all out it was, it was all in there. But what was really interesting for me is that I, after doing that, is I was like, that guy is not a good counsel. Because I was mm -hmm. like, no, like, you know, because I just felt like I hadn't, it hadn't, uh, I hadn't walked away and gone, 
fuck, I feel a lot better now. Like, which is what I thought I was going to, what was going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Right. I thought, well, that's just like one session and I'm, I just feel exhausted for two days and I don't mm. feel any better. I don't mm. really don't feel any better. Um, mm. but I had these, I, I had expectations of what it was going to be like. Right. Um, yeah. and I, I wish someone had just kind of, I kind of wish someone had said to me, like, listen, the shit doesn't happen overnight, man. Like, you know, you gotta, <laughs> and just give it time. And, and I didn't, and I stopped for about, um, didn't do anything for about a month or two months or something like that. And then I found, I went and I found another counselor because I was, I was, I was um, I thought the guy was just useless. I was just like, nah, he's, he was probably, to be honest, he was probably the best one I've ever had because he just was like, he just got it out straight away. Um, and, uh, and all that. Um, but anyway, uh, so, you know, just, uh, again, telling stories because I think guys will hear them and be like, okay, like that's, that's what happened to him. So maybe that, you know, that's mm. kind of what happened to me. That makes it, it, it means that it becomes not normal and it's not more typical, whatever that is. Like, um, it just means that we are able to feel like we're not alone. We are not on that road alone. Mm. And I think you, and if, if somebody is considering going to a counsellor and they're not sure whether it's worth it, I mean, the simple fact is that statistically way more than half of the people who go to a counsellor report that it helped. Mm. You know, yeah. it may have helped a lot or a little, but it helped. Mm. Very few people say that was a waste of time or that was useless. Mm. So, so yeah. I mean, it doesn't guarantee that it will help, but most people say that it does. It does, mm -hmm. especially the first few sessions. Like it, the 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 effect of counselling wears off mm -hmm. um, for some weird weird reason. Um, but the first few sessions, first half a half a dozen sessions, you've probably got the majority of the benefit out of it, and most people say it helps. So it is mm -hmm. worth giving it a shot. And as mm -hmm. you did, uh, trying different counsellors if you don't feel like it's helping. Yeah, that's really that is very very important. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Exactly. Because the person of the counsellor is more than half of the effect as well. Mm. So um, their skills, their education, their techniques, yep. these things, this has been proven statistically, those things make up about 30% of the effectiveness. 70% mm. of it is the person. And yep. if you can find a, find a moment where you connect with another person, even if you are paying them, <laughs> by the hour um that is something yeah 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 it is absolutely something yeah um okay i i want to dive into uh come back into um you and your journey here because with birthdays and mm. christopher's birthday how 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 have you or how do you deal with his birthday do you have any um yeah i mean early on birthdays were a dilemma because uh obviously when you're young and you're having birthdays it's with your friends and mm. you're doing fun things with your friends and that's what birthdays uh, ideally are about and he didn't have any friends mm. um not because he wasn't friendly but because it was just you know he he had very few friends so they were always a kind of a traumatic event uh, not traumatic they were painful they were sad 
Um, I guess we got around that by having the kinds of birthdays that we as a family wanted to have, whether they were friends or not. And he seemed okay. The, the most difficult birthday of his that for me though, was when he turned 17, mm -hmm. because in Australia, that's when you can get your learner's permit and, and well, you get it before then, but you can get your driver's license. Right. And, you know, this is quite a rite of passage for a bloke to, to yeah. be able to drive a car. Yeah. And I knew he never would. Mm -hmm. And I remember when I turned 17, what a big deal it was yeah. to be able to get my own license and eventually my own wheels. And I knew he never would. Mm -hmm. Um, that was a difficult one. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, but I, I have to say, I, I don't feel like, I think the homeschooling, uh, overcame a lot of that because he, and look, we moved house at one point, I think he was nine or just turned 10 mm -hmm. and we sort of cut ourselves off from people. So, mm. um, which was not healthy. Uh, it wasn't all bad, but it wasn't healthy really. So his friends became online friends in the, uh, distance education school and they would do little, funny little things for birthdays with mm. each other. And that was all, that was fine, you know, mm. but I, I do know what you're talking about. And I know that for a lot of parents, particularly the mums, oh my God, birthdays are the worst, you know, and milestones are the worst, and a birthday is a kind of a milestone or it's supposed to be. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Yeah. Birthdays. I, struggled. I think with two, two points, I struggled. I, I struggled with um, not knowing what to get them. Yes. Actually, that was. Yes. Because he, lo he loves balls. And he mm -hmm. loves um, baseball bats. And while that's fantastic, um, can't just keep buying balls and baseball bats. Like yeah. that's like it's just yes. not going to happen. <laughs> um, so that is kind of one of the the challenges that mm. I have because mm. I'm like, okay, here's here comes a it's the same with Christmas really because like okay, so what do I get him? And I and, and I find it really. Frustrating because I, and I think that comes back onto me because I, again, it's like, I feel like I've got to, I'm putting that pressure mm. on me is to, um, I've, I've got to find something for him and find something that he's going to connect with and he's going to enjoy. Right. Or else you're a hopeless dad sort of Yeah. Thing. Well, I just feel yeah. like I've just failed. Like I just, yes, yeah, I've failed. just failed because I just like, okay, well, oh, I got him, I got him like an empty box he can play with. Like, yeah. Um, and I'm, you know, and it's it's just that's one that's one part of it. The the other part is I just, you know, I I feel that I wouldn't have those feelings as well if I hadn't if my world hadn't changed into this. You know, here I am living in in Holland, mm. and yeah. um, so, but this is the reality, and so I I. I I'm getting better on that. I'm getting, I'm understanding myself a bit more uh, and just giving myself a, a like, you know, um, like, okay, you know what? Don't try not to put that pressure on yourself to yeah. find the the right thing. Um, yeah. 
and and also to be aware that these things are periodic like once the birthday's passed mm. that pressure's yeah. gone like these, exactly. these things like, gone yeah, yeah it's over so mm -hmm. these things do tend to come anniversaries milestones birthdays they do come and you can't help it but they do pass and mm. they 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 put pressure on no question mm -hmm. about it and i don't want to diminish it but mm. um be aware that you know don't be surprised mm. if that's what happens at a birthday and it's okay you know yeah. that's okay mm. that's exactly right yeah. um we kind of touched on this one a little bit um so which is something and I want to talk a little bit more about because I think what what Christopher does is just amazing here. It's like, um, what is something that you thought he would not be able to do but does now? Mm. Oh, everything he does now, I thought he couldn't do pretty mm. much everything. I couldn't see anything that I could imagine him doing without somebody helping him. Um, oh well, like he 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 has employment. Yeah. Um, he has he has the opportunity to be creative he can have fun he can fly drones he can um you know have a have friends around the world uh cyber friends you know um over the internet yeah. um he can feel affirmed and appreciated because of the contribution he's making and people keep constantly you know he's, he's able to change their lives you know yeah. so all of that stuff um which is the, the kind of basic things you would hope your child can eventually experience when they grow. Um, mm -hmm. Those things I didn't think he'd be able to, because he just simply couldn't, people could understand him when he talked. He couldn't mm. touch a computer. He couldn't drive a car. He couldn't do anything uh, of that. And so I, I couldn't see those things happening, but yeah, they're all, they're all happening now. And of course in Australia, we have the NDIS, uh, which only came into being about five years ago before that existed. Honestly, Poverty was the rule of the game for people with disability. Everything cost more. Very few opportunities were there. Very few su supports were there that actually helped. Now mm -hmm. that has made a big difference. Mm -hmm. And I'm very grateful for that. And he has good support from that. And that gives him, that enables him to work, right. to travel to work, to um, have, you know, the, the equipment that he needs to work. And so on. So, what what exactly? Like, I've I've heard the term NDIS kind of uh, a yeah. few times, but mm. for for those who are uh, you know around the world globally, like, yeah, what what exactly is this? It's an amazing setup. NDIS stands for National Disability Insurance Scheme, and the concept is rather than providing packages, you know, of support um, on a sort of a one size fits all basis mm -hmm. um, and paying agencies to look after people with disabilities or whatever. The NDIS basically says, whatever you need, if you can demonstrate you need it uh, in order to live a fulfilling life. Um, and that's set out at the start. What would you like to do with your life? What are your goals? What are your ambitions? What would you like to achieve in your life? Okay. What can't you do because of your disability? How can we cover that? And then the money or the resources go to the person right not okay. not to an agency okay, so and good. this was critical so it, it yep. firstly returns power and control to those with disabilities who are able to make their own decisions and let's face Fantastic. it some can't but yep. for those who can they have control 
And it also means it puts pressure on those agencies and those service providers to do to do a good job. Because if they yeah. don't, <laughs> the person will take their the money elsewhere. Yeah. Exactly. And so, and that has worked and it has been phenomenally successful. It, it is not perfect. Yeah. Um, and there, it depends on the, the will of the government in charge as to how well it works. Like we've just come out of a long period with a very conservative government in Australia, national government, which fundamentally did not like the NDIS and fundamentally did not agree with it because they didn't introduce it. It wasn't their idea. Mm-hmm. And they don't like anything that smacks of welfare. Well, this is not welfare. No. Um, and they would chip away at it constantly. However, um, the current government is more in favour of letting it fly. So the the person in charge of the board of the NDIS now is a, a disabled man in a, in a wheelchair and a, a blind man who is on the board. So they are allowing people who uh, live with disability to control it. So, yeah, look, it's been brilliant. Yeah. So Christopher, for example, um, needs 24-7 support workers if he wants to live independently one of his goals was to live independently okay so how do you achieve that you have to have someone there 24 7 so he is funded to do that now what happens is he pays like he employs six or eight people right three of them permanent three of them casual he pays their salaries they pay their taxes they feed their families you know so yep. the the money's going round and round. Yep. Um, and because of them, he's then working full time and paying his taxes. Yep. And you know, it's called productivity. And that's that's been a brilliant, brilliant innovation here. And uh it's like um Medicare, which we also have, which is healthcare basically for everyone, which is paid for by a small percentage of tax from everyone. It's not hard to do and, and it works Fantastic. really well. Fantastic. That sounds really, really good. I didn't see that coming, Steve. I tell you, when he was 14 and I couldn't see a future, it was because of partly because mm. of that. So it's uh, going really how are we going light. to afford support workers? How is he going to afford people to care for him? How is he going to be able to f- find the equipment he needs? You know, yep. those there were no answers to those questions, yeah. but there are now. And it took a load off of you as well, right? Taking a well, it utterly changed my life. Uh, I still worry about him all the time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that that's on me. But now, I he sat he got up to sack me as his carer about three years ago. He said, "Dad, I don't want you to be my carer anymore." Yeah, and um, he was like nineteen or twenty at the time. NDIS had just started in Queensland, and I said, "Oh, okay, mate. Um, did you have I?" You know, I, my first thought was, what have I done wrong? You know, have I let you down or whatever? And he said, no, I just want you to be my dad uh, from now uh, on. <laughs> and um, which I, I am now, I'm his dad now. And he's got people to do the things that a dad, that, he, that a bloke doesn't want his dad doing mm-hmm. for him or to him. Yeah. Um, so I didn't see that coming. I tell you. Um, so yeah, yeah, yeah. That's kind of. I think that's like that is something, isn't it? For for your the child who you look after and you know do so much for them to turn around and say, "I don't need you helping me now." Like I, yes. I, I like that. As yes, it, 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 there's got to be that kind of two big emotions that kind of go on there like well hang um 
you know, um, I what's why? <laughs> have I, like you said, have you done something wrong? Have I, you know, mm. um, am I not doing enough? Am I like, you know, yeah. Um, and then he says, like, I just want you to be dad. Yeah. I mean, like, that's a dilemma. That is a real dilemma. And I found it surprised me that I was able to not have to do that anymore because it's true, isn't it? If you're caring for someone, who wants to be cared for? Who wants to be needy yeah. all the time? Nobody. Yeah. Mm. Um, you know, the fact of the matter is you do need it, so you go ahead, but nobody wants to need people. Mm -hmm. So that does create all kinds of dynamics that I think it's best to be aware of because for parents with kids or for partners who are caring for a disabled partner or a disabled parent, you know, yeah. um, be aware of the dynamic there because it creates this really potentially um, difficult and, and painful situation where one needs the other. And, and that's, yeah. that's really half the challenge is, is, is being healthy about that part of it. Yeah. And finding a way to do that. Cause you have to, I mean, people, we do, we do need each other. We like yeah. to think we don't, but. How, yeah. how, from, from that point onwards, I mean, you, did you, you, you must've felt like things changed dramatically for you. How did you, did, mm. I, I, I guess you're like, what do I do with my, what do I do now? Because I'm like, this yes. is, I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm taught to be hands off. Whereas yes, I was all, all hands on. And now I'm like, uh, I'm, that's a, that, that would have been a, a big You've transition. touched on something there, Steve, and I'm still trying to figure, out, figure that one out. I mean, it was all these, you know, they call it the empty nest syndrome where parents mm. find that their kids have, they don't need them anymore and they've gone off. Yeah. And of course, on the one hand, they're delighted about that. On the other hand, mm. they're fraught. It's, they're, they're bereft. Yep. They're grieving. Yep. So there's both of those too. I'm suddenly free to mm. not have to do that and to relate to him as my son rather than my caree. Mm. And that's brilliant. But on the other hand, yes, it has left me a bit <laughs> all at sea. I'm still trying <laughs> to figure out what to do with myself. <laughs> For the rest of my life i really don't i don't know i still haven't figured that out yet you know I, 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 I actually think that... that's good actually gary why is that i do actually think that's good that you are just you know going along and you just going where the kind of where the breeze takes you because i think for the so much of our lives is that we're you know we we're in that kind of role of just this you know like mm -hmm. it's intense it's mm -hmm. high alert mm -hmm. and then you know your situation where it's been like okay well actually um we're going to pull a lot of that away from you now a lot mm -hmm. of it and so you're like what am i doing what am i like what do i do with myself and i think um not knowing is actually a good thing. I actually think that we naturally kind of programmed to be like, this is what we should be doing. This is where we want to mm. be. Like, I, I'm not yeah, like that good. myself. That's, that's kind of how I am. I, you know, I can't even like, I never had any myself, any kind of dreams as to where I wanted to be. So I, I've kind of, you know, 
life has um, been a bit like that. So maybe that's kind of where I've kind of come from, my ideology mm. on that. I don't know. Mm. Um, mm. But but I can imagine how difficult it must be, though, because you feel like you've got to, you need need some kind of direction. And and the upside of it, or the positive side of that dilemma, is that it was so meaningful for me for so many years, and so purposeful mm. to be knowing that without me, mm. he was really in trouble. Yeah. But that with me, I could pour my life into making sure he got a good start. And my daughter, we, yeah. we you know both both of them, but her needs were different. Her needs yeah. were were quite quite different. And suddenly, uh, to not have that, you, you notice. But what what I'm saying there is that I'm grateful, you know, that I can look back on having been having been placed in a situation where I had to step up, and stepping up, yeah. And, and you stepped up in a in, in the best way that you were able to, best way I could, for as long as it took, and. Um, imperfectly, but I am grateful that I feel good about having done the best I could and have, having, yeah. you know, looking back on it. And, um, I talked earlier about regrets over overwhelmingly though. I feel like, okay, when I had to step up, I did. And there is something that's not pride. That's a simple st statement of, of reality. I did. Mm -hmm. Mm. and I am glad. Yeah. Best work I've ever done. Most important thing I've ever done. Yeah. Is to raise my kids. It is, isn't it? Yep. Is, yeah, would you put everything, everything into it? And yeah. um, sometimes it's, sometimes it's just not enough. We feel that's not enough, um, but yeah, you know, it's it's awesome, Gary. I think you know, I'm sure Christopher deeply appreciates everything that you've put in and helped helped him out, and he's he's helped you. I think that is also. Um, I, I kind of I'm not going to put words into your mouth here, but I'm I'm guessing that um, that's a huge thing that he's actually impacted you as a as a dad as oh, a man absolutely it? no question about it no question changed my life uh, mm. yeah how how like how how what how how would you it's a really kind of it's a it's a pretty big question but how would you describe how you were before Christopher arrived to how once he arrived, mm. like how, how, how did you change as a, as a human kind of, and as, as a dad? I, I don't, um, I don't think I was a different person, but I do think um, I didn't have a purpose that was uh, as important before that, or, um, I wasn't needed as much and I, it, it, there were not things calling things out of me that um, can only be called out of you by a, a difficult circumstance or a challenge or something. So, yeah, I mean, in that sense, it gave to me 
um, the um, the things that it gave me purpose. It it gave mm. me um, yeah purpose. Purpose. Yeah, a purpose that I felt was I was the the only one who could do it at the time and I was willing to do it and there were things that I could bring to it. And even though I didn't do it as well as I could and never would have, um, it did pull those things out of me. So in that sense, it was, um, yeah, the, the, the signal honor of my life really. And mm. yeah. it's lovely. It's, yeah. it's, 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 all, it's so nice to hear. It's so nice to hear. Yeah, purpose. I think that's um you know kind of giving giving you purpose. Yeah. That's that's awesome. Um what let's kind of change it a little bit here. And I, I want to talk about um Christopher and kind of what, what does he love? Like really what, what does he love? Well, he's a he's a geek for a start. He loves any technology, um, and that's a good thing because technology and he is so intertwined. Obviously, uh, people with special needs or additional needs find may or may not, but for many of them, mm -hmm. technology is a huge part of their lives. Mm -hmm. um, so he loves that. He loves being. Um, um, he he um, he loves his family he loves um having a laugh he's very good he's very funny um and uh i think he loves being having a purpose too because uh he i saw i've watched him blossom uh in being asked as soon as he started putting these videos up there on youtube about what he was doing with the tech um and people were starting to come to him and ask for advice or ask for for um assistance uh he he's he was he was there straight away so i think i think that's been great for him in fact next week he's off to sydney again with a couple of support workers for a few days to work with the apple accessibility ambassadors of which he and i are both one i won't be going this time but the ambassador's role is to try to help people who have additional needs find the technology that suits them and it's to do with apple so mm, yeah he loves that and he's very good at that and people ask him questions and they rely upon him and they come to him and you know we all we all uh it brings the best out of us so yeah fantastic what was what was something that made you like fully laugh recently like what is something just like that you actually you know necessarily like have to be related to uh he does make me laugh yes we, we've laughed a lot steve over the years and if you can do that man that's gold if you mm. can find moments where you just find the same things funny it does help a lot but oh he he, he um <laughs> Just last week, he got me a birthday present. It was my birthday a couple of weeks before that. And he, oh, he said, oh, oh, Happy birthday, belated birthday. Oh, well, thank you. He said, I, I need to, this will be this will be late. The present I'm getting is still coming. Whatever, that's fine. Anyway, he, I went over to his place last week. And there on the kitchen bench is this big ginger wig. It looks like a cat, right? It's sitting, it just <laughs> looks like a cat on the bench. And... um I said, what the hell is that? He said, that, that's your birthday present. Happy birthday. I said, 
I said, oh, and I immediately I'm laughing inside because I'm thinking, what the hell is going on here? This is good. I said, well, thank you, mate. I what what is it? He said, well, you know, just have a look, just touch it, feel. So I I I picked it up and it was actually a a carton full of beer underneath it, but. <laughs> But he said, I didn't have anything to wrap it with. So I put the wig over it and I've got a photograph of it. And he's sitting there laughing his head off. And it just looks like this raggedy ass cat sitting on his bench. No, he, he, um, he takes great delight in, um, he's got a wicked sense of humor, but it's a very kind sense of humor. Like he doesn't, it's it's never hurtful. Mm. So yeah, that was, that was a recent laugh. There was one, um, oh, look, they happen all the time. (laughs) He does. We, we, we do enjoy laughing yeah that's mm. been good that is good I, yeah. I and i think that's that is the reason i asked this is because i i, I realized that i don't I, I haven't been kind of allowing myself to enjoy some of these moments to laugh mm-hmm. and i and i thought to myself okay again i can't be i come back to things i can't be the only guy out there in this in the world who who is like this is mm. it not because I'm so kind of focused onto a situation that I'm not allowing myself to enjoy the situation, kind of be in the situation and enjoy it as as his dad, right? Mm. Um, I'm more in like the carer role, kind of mm. I still to take carer role, right? Which is um what makes Jamie laugh? <laughs> she really recently something which he and it makes me laugh. His, his his laugh with this makes me laugh. Is mm-hmm. uh, very recently when I put him to bed, um, he lived, we have a bunk bed for the for the two boys. Joshua's on the top and Jimmy's on the bottom. Um, and so I lie in there, and he a recent thing I started about two weeks ago, three weeks ago, is I put the light on on my turn the lights off in the room and I put the light on my phone, and I fold it up. I, I shine up to the uh, underside of his, of the bed, uh, Joshua's bed above him, and do the old school where you do the shadows with your hands on the top of the um, like underside. And so now he, um, he kind of instructs me. He's like, you know, he's like, phone, he's like, phone, phone. Uh, yeah. So I'm like grabbing the phone and he's like, you know, <laughs> wants to turn the line. So I turn it on and we lie there. And, and what I do is just really simple stuff, but he just gets this total and utter massive buzz out of this. And he just giggles like a full on, Pull on laugh. Like I actually don't know whether I've even heard him laugh um, like this before. This really makes him just, it's a full on like, wow. Mm. Just, and he just, his face lights up and, and he's, and you do it like, you know, you need, he doesn't want it done for too long. He just wants it for a couple of times. And he's like, off. And he's like, mm. okay. Um, and then he wants to listen to, um, um, but that, that that makes me laugh. That really does make me laugh because his, his laugh just is like, oh my god, that's just that's just awesome. Um, well, moments like that are brilliant. Yeah, yeah. and I, yeah. I, I, yeah, and it's just extracting myself from it again, like allowing myself to be human to enjoy that moment, you know. Mm. Um, and that is so so important um, for me to do that. Like, yeah, because it just, yeah, it, it ground, it grounds me. It allows me to kind of a moment of feeling like, you know, actually I'm, I'm, I'm grounded, um, in a day where everything else that goes on around me is, 
you know, sometimes utter and mm. total chaos. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. People who study these things and who know about these things say that the ability to play or the ability to have fun, the ability to just laugh and, and enjoy something, mm. you know, just a deeply healthy thing, you know, yeah. and, and makes you healthier. So, yeah, look, that sounds, that sounds like fun to me. The shadow puppets on the, yeah. the shadows on the ceiling. Yeah. What what I kind of do is I bring it down. So basically I get it closer and closer. And so what oh, I do yeah. is like, as it kind of comes closer to him, like the whole, this, the room gets really dark. And then I kind of like, I just touch him on the tummy or something like this. And it's like, what? Yeah. But are you having fun at the time? Are you? Yeah, I am. Or... Yeah. That's yeah. actually a good question. Yeah. Very good that's question. Good. And I, I am actually, because I, yeah. I get into it. That's good. And I, and I, I just, I, I allow myself to get into it. I'm That's like, good. I gotta, I gotta do this. I need to like, um, I'd much, you know, I, I used to just kind of like, right, it's time to go to bed now. Like, let's go to bed lights off, you know, and let's put on some soft music and, and go to bed. But, um, we do that after now, now his, his buzzes, this, uh, you know, the yes. uh, shadow, I don't know what do you want, shadow, shadow puppets or something. Is that what they call them? Something like that. I, don't something know. Like, yeah. I haven't done it since I was like myself, since I was like eight years old or something. Um, that's something I, I guess all parents find though too, isn't it? That the, the things that you can have fun with and the things that you can enjoy change over the years. And as mm. you, our children get older, certain things become funny that they weren't before and they become fun when they weren't. So you'll probably find as the years go by, mate, there'll be other things that'll pop up that'll just, the shadows won't last forever, but something no, else will no. replace it, you know? That's right. So that's good. That's good, man. I like the sound yeah. of that. <laughs> Having yeah. a good laugh. Yeah. And he actually, this is actually really surprising. He likes listening to a podcast. He actually likes, um, this actually makes him go to sleep. There's a podcast, which is called Curious Kid Podcasts, a Curious oh, Kid yeah. Podcast. And yeah. it's about 10 minutes long. And it says, uh, and it's very interesting because there's actually some, uh, quite some interesting, um, I learned stuff from it myself. Yeah. Um, and so uh, he actually loves it. He's like, you know, and there's a, there's a phrase that they say in their intro or something. And uh, he's like, uh, he says, he says mailbag like this. The guy says mailbag, and Jimmy's like mailbag like this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it's it, it's great, yeah. Um, and trying trying to really just enjoy those those great moments. Yeah. Um. What What would you say are four words that sum up your life as Christopher's dad? Hmm. It's putting a lot of pressure on four words, isn't it? But I, I'll it give is. it a go. Um, that's that's a worthwhile exercise. Four <laughs> words. Um, the the first one that comes to mind is love. I think I think love. Uh, he's he's taught me how to love. Oh, he's taught me a lot about love. Um, not only the love that he has for me, but but um, he's brought love out of me. Mm -hmm. and um there's no question that love has been and still is you know the most important mm -hmm. word i could think of um another word that probably doesn't sound like it goes with that but i think it always does is sadness um i think there's been a lot of sadness for me um over the years some more for him now than there used to be but for me sadness not for myself um and i mean that i mean 
there's been a debate about whether or not parents of children with disabilities should talk about having grief you know um how how dare you call it grief you know what have you lost and it isn't grief for me it's grief for my son i i, I have frequently grieved and been sad about the things that i know he won't have or do mm. and never will despite the technology um things that are just going to be either so difficult or even impossible so I, there's a constant underlay of sadness um mm. about what he's um what he's missed out on and misses out on um but because because that isn't the whole story and it most certainly isn't it's an underlay it's not the story mm. um, there's so much else i think the i think to me the, the question about like there there is in the literature in in counseling literature and in medical literature a term called chronic sorrow mm. um, it's sometimes called living grief yeah and it it came from the observations of a doctor who was working with parents of children who were uh, institutionalized with um I can't remember what the disability was now, but it was something. And this doctor was observing these mostly mothers, and he came to the conclusion that there was a th there was a certain sorrow in them mm -hmm. all the time, and it was so therefore it was chronic. You know, it was lifelong sorrow. Mm -hmm. um, and it became a, it's been studied since then, and it's become applied to anyone who's in the presence of somebody like a like a partner who's got Alzheimer's or a, a parent who is really struggling with ill health and you're caring for them or a parent who's caring for a child and so on, who's very ill or has disabilities, there is an underlying ongoing sorrow uh, or sense of loss. And it's not a sense of loss for yourself. It can be, mm -hmm. but it's, it's a sense of loss for the person you love. You know, you, you're constantly reminded of what they've lost. So there is that. So anyway, mm -hmm. um, I, I don't for a moment say that I, I'm sad Christopher was born or I'm sad because mm -hmm. of him. I, I'm sad because of what I perceive he has lost, but the two are jammed up hard against each other. The joy of, of him, the mm -hmm. joy of being his dad and the sadness of what that means are joined together. And there's just no way to have one without the other. They both are there. Mm -hmm. So there's love, there's sadness. The third word I have talked about is purpose. It really did bring purpose to my life that I, I didn't have in any other way. And I feel like that purpose has has you know defined me in many ways and i'm grateful for it so that's the fourth word gratitude i'm very grateful you know i, I think there's a lot of bullshit about gratitude i think mm. you could you know you can't force it you can't pretend to be grateful yeah you can i suppose i shouldn't say you can't you can but to me i don't see much point in that to me if it's not real gratitude then it's not gratitude but i yeah. am genuinely grateful for the life I have had because of him, mm -hmm. because of both my kids, but because particularly because of his need for me over the years and the person he has become and the small part I've had to play in that and still do even mm -hmm. less and less as years go by. I'm so grateful for that, Steve. If I have to die tomorrow, um, I won't be able to say, well, I'm not thankful for anything. Yeah. Because I am thankful for that. Yeah. 
it's lovely it's lovely i think it's it's really nice to hear how open and how honest and how truthful you are Gary because I think that is so important in uh for for dads um because of you know as we kind of talked about like there's a you know a lot of kind of reasons why we you know we choose not to or don't want to or don't know how to I think it's don't know how to um talk about these things and be real yeah. to ourselves yeah. about it and that was for me anyway to be kind of real to myself um the it's you know it is we um we we, we you know I, I i i kind of live in a world where um you know it there are it's it's so different to how i see people around me here i just i you know um i kind of feel like i live in a bubble not just that it's like a foreigner bubble but it's also like you know it's the the jamie bubble you know um mm. and you know i i think i felt like that for so many years and uh you know what being able to find the two-piece podcast um yeah, that was that was just, yeah, it was really uh, life changing for me, mm. Um, mm. and uh, and I rem I remember because you just talked about kind of <clears throat> kind of living with living with grief, and you talked about chronic sorrow, which is actually interesting. That's a um, um, is that they talked about the kind of living with grief, and I um, I really that was that was probably the first kind of time for me that i actually was like that's it that's it right there i was able to kind of and that was a real that was a game changer i think i remember i think i remember listening to it and actually kind of it's sinking in and thinking okay like um that is that is what i'm i'm living with and the trauma and the trauma of of kind of what we what we went through what i went through um mm -hmm. and it is it's there and i and i uh, i i see i just uh there are, there are guys i know a couple of guys um who and they have very young um uh, very young children and i just i they're still in that kind of zone when when the child, child I feel like kind of when the child is very young is that the dad if they if they're really in involved with it is that they don't they don't quite know to kind of it's very hard for them to look at the big picture as to mm. how they are as a dad and yeah, I just feel that they it's um I suppose I kind of want to help help those guys be able to allow themselves to be like know not going for 11 years which is what i did mm. um and if you know these guys that are listening or mums that are listening that you know played in there played in the car whether dad's in the car or whatever like 
Um, but yeah, I just feel that this it's it's tough. I, I keep I keep saying tough. It is tough because it is it, it seems to be a word that um, summarizes for me how it is as a dad, as Jimmy's dad, um, and uh, everyone has their troubles everyone has mm-hmm. their, their stories and I, and I and i and i i'm so mindful about not comparing how mm-hmm. difficult people's journeys are because that's not that's not what this is about this is about hearing and empathizing mm-hmm. and understanding um empathizing first and understand understanding second that's really really so important and you know good on you for what you're doing because um a it's probably shall i say therapeutic or helpful to you to be having these conversations uh which means it's good for jamie and it's good for your wife and your and joshua uh and for you but uh b it is it is the place where perhaps we can hear these conversations where we could hear them nowhere else mm-hmm. there's just nowhere else to hear this kind of conversation so mm-hmm. Uh, if you're a dad and you're listening or you're a mum, thank you for listening and thank you for letting us have this conversation because it's been good for for me also. And um, I I I think, you know, Steve, I, I wish you well with the podcast. I wish you well with um, your dadness <laughs> and your <laughs> you. your masculinity. Yep. And um, you know, thanks yeah. for thanks yeah. for inviting me. Gary, it's been an honor. I appreciate it immensely. Thank you so much. Cheers, Steve. Just a quick note for everyone who's listening. If you are, if you're a dad and you actually want to be on the podcast and be a guest and have some questions thrown at you and you know allow you some space to talk about the challenges that you've had, uh, please get in touch. Um, you can get in touch through the Facebook page, Instagram, and uh, also you can send us an email. Uh, you can send me an email on life with Jamie and more at gmail.com. So please do get in touch. And uh, I really look forward to being in contact with some of you guys and uh, being able to hear your stories because I know there are stories out there and uh, I think it's, uh, it's good to be heard. So get in touch. Thanks, everyone. Have a good one.